0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans 12 this morning. We'll get there in a few moments. And today is our final message in our Know Your Why series. And I began this on uh, the second Sunday of January, what we call annually here Vision Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to share really the heartbeat of the church and what's coming up in the year and talk about some different events and some different emphasis and and just some things we want to be talking about. And... and, uh, and so we laid out our, uh, our church's fourfold purpose on that day, and then over the last four Sundays we've been taking them one by one and kind of digging a little bit deeper into them, knowing our purpose. Every church must know their why. Why do they exist? What is their purpose? And we can, we can have great graphics, we can have a, a catchy slogan, we can have a, a business can do the same thing, put a great mission statement on the wall. But unless it's something that we truly embrace, that purpose doesn't impact anything about what we do and the way that we do it. And, and so, we've talked about knowing our why. What, what, why, does, why, why do we have a church? What's the whole point of this thing, and why as believers are we left here as Christians? By the way, when we say the church, we often think of a big, either the building or kind of the, the organization, if you will, at large. The church is you and me. We're talking about us as Christians knowing why we're here. What, what What is it that we should be seeking to accomplish in our involvement at Liberty Baptist Church? And if you're here for the first time, we welcome you. And if you're here maybe visiting from somewhere else, you don't go to Liberty. I would challenge you today as we talk about this, your why, wherever God has you faithfully serving or attending, this is your why. And are you accomplishing that? And what more can you do for the glory of God in those things. Every corporation must know their why. If not, they're they're going to lose track of what they're doing and why they're doing it. They're going to get off track. They have to know their purpose. A a well-known business book was written, and it was titled, Start With Why. And the, the subhead was how great leaders inspire everyone to take action. This book has sold more than a million copies. Um, The message of this book is if you want to be a good leader and get great buy-in from your employees, you must explain the why of your business, not just the what. Well, here's what you have to do from 8 to 5, here's your job. They'll do that to some level of competency just because they want to get a paycheck. But if they have bought into the why, what you're actually trying to accomplish as a business, they're going to be far better leaders, far better employees, the the business is going to be far more effective if everybody has bought in and has started with why. Every, Every church must know their why, every business must know their why, every Christian must know their why. You know the most sold book of the 21st century behind the Bible? The most sold book of the 21st century behind the Bible was written by a pastor here in Orange County. It's probably a good number in this room have either seen it or read it. It's the book called The Purpose Driven Life. To date, more than, uh, more than 50 million copies in 137 languages of this book, The Purpose Driven Life, have been sold. Why do you think that that book sold more than 50 million copies? Because deep in our hearts, we know there has to be a reason for why I'm here. There has to be a purpose, and we want to find it. We're looking for it. And because of that, that book for decades has resonated with millions of people, uh, written their why. We're looking for our why. People want their life to have purpose. Several months ago, I began bi weekly one on one pastoral. Or personal coaching sessions with an experienced pastor. And, and it's going to turn into, in the, in the coming months, it's going to turn into pastoral coaching. And actually, that's what I thought I was signing up for. It was a pastor that I knew somewhat. We had met a couple of times, wasn't close friends with him, but an experienced pastor that God has used in some great ways and has led his church, has been there a little longer, a good bit longer than me, and, and has led his church through some things that we're beginning to walk through and some places that I believe the Lord might have us to go as it relates to impact in our area and greater missions works, and, and, and their church has accomplished some of those things, and I'd love to see our church continue to expand our impact. And, and so uh, the opportunity came, and so I signed up for what I thought was pastoral Coaching. And I had a list of kind of areas in our church with, with some of our outreach that I thought, Man, how can we do better here? And some of our assimilation as guests come in and, and then getting them plugged into different parts of our church. And I had some different questions and some things I wanted to learn. And I thought that's what it was going to be on the first call. And we did over the last three months. We've had, it's, it's twice a month, we've had six one hour calls. And then I, I'm given homework each time after that. And the first call had nothing to do with tell me about your church. Tell me how many people come and how, what's on your membership and what are your offerings and, and how long's it been there and what kind of ministries do you have? It had nothing to do with that. He began to ask me questions about me. And then he began, he said, over the next three months or so, we're going to develop with you your core purpose statement. You're going to, and he began to give me homework, and things like, if you're on your deathbed and everyone that loves you and people that are sitting in this room, your names were on this homework, they came into the room, uh, what, would, what would you like for them to be whispering into your ear, saying to you in those final moments? And some of these things that kind of moments of self-reflection that we don't really take the time to do too often, talking about asking me questions like, what were some of the greatest moments of your life, and, and what, what's some of your biggest passions in life? And he said, I want you, he said, I'm not going to to create a core purpose statement for you, but I want you to take time in prayer and in reflection and in thought and think through, talk to your wife, ask her to, to speak into this to really figure out why has God placed you on this earth and what does he have for you in your life? And it was just actually just a couple of days ago that my core purpose statement, I spent, uh, I spent a good bit of time tinkering and thinking through every word and thinking through different things and, um, and, and thinking and going through the notes of pages in my own life, thinking about our church and about my family and about our school and about my life and about what I believe the gifts that God has given me and the areas of strength and the areas of weakness and thinking about all of these things and looking where I'm at in my life. If the Lord gives me several decades more, I'm somewhere right toward the middle of my life. And, uh, and thinking, if God gives me a few more decades, what, what do I believe God would have for me? What direction do I want to go? And really, I didn't know it when I started, and that I was what I was doing was, he was telling me, you need to know your why, because it will change everything about that. And so this week I got back from the designer uh, my core purpose statement, and, and I'll share it with you this morning here in just a moment. This What you're going to see is my why, it, and I share it with you for two reasons. One so that you can know the heartbeat and the priorities of your pastor and help keep me accountable. This is who I want to be. Now, this isn't necessarily who I am, but this is who I want to be. And secondly, I show it to you that it might provoke some others to good works. How many of us have gone through weeks, months, years of what we call the rat race? just existing, getting from one week to the next. We have a joke in our house um, because our lives feel like at times they get pretty busy, and with five kids, and school, and sports, and jobs, and family, and all of those things, much like you, feels like there's never enough time in the day. And there's a joke in our home, I just said it last week, if we can just get to, and whatever the next thing is, and what I said last week was, if we can just get to spring break. But the only problem was, a few months ago, was if we can just get to Christmas break. And then a few months before that, it was just, if we can just get to the opening of school, and before that, it was, if I can just get through graduation, and, and it's a little bit of a joke, and, and so when, when, when things are busy, I'll just say to my wife, if we, and I, I say it now knowing it's going to fluster her, and she'll say, I'm not living that way. You can live that way. I'm not going to live completely frazzled all the time, and, and I don't feel like I am that, but we talk about, but, but if we're not careful, we can go years existing and running, but are we really accomplishing our why? Are we really giving our time to the priorities that we say matter most in our lives? The core purpose statement, you can put that up there if you will, and and my my core purpose or core mission statement, I I wrote this, I choose to finish my course with joy while impacting Orange County with the gospel and encouraging co-laborers around the world. I will fulfill my God given potential and maximize my God given opportunities. I know that first, and this is not, this really wasn't intended for me to share. It went along with my message and it came back from the designer today. This is really about, it's not for me to put out all over the walls of the church. It's about me to have in front of me on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to come back and say, Am I living what I say is my purpose? And I'm not going to take the time. Many of those words have much deeper meaning for me. They come from experiences in my life, things that I've seen that I like, and things that I've seen that I don't like in my own life and in the lives of others around me, and things that I want to do maybe differently that I've, in, in habits I've built here. But for me, I want to finish my course. That's one of my passions. I don't want to do well for a season, and then people to say, remember that pastor over at Liberty? Boy, he had a pretty good decade. No, like Paul, I want to finish my course, and by the way, I want to do it, I want to be a Christian when I die and not be mad about it. I want to finish my course with joy, and and sometimes the the discouragements and the circumstances of life can steal that joy from us, and I want to finish my course with joy, and it goes on, and, and then it breaks down into five key roles of my life. The first one is at home, and I said, at home I will be godly and fun. My family will know that they are my first ministry and will see a Christianity that they want to embrace, live, and pass on to their children. Now, I don't know if this will happen, but this is who I want to be. I want to be godly, and fun kind of sounds shallow, doesn't it? But I want want our kids to actually enjoy being in our home. And when they have kids, I want them to want to come back. Johnny, you put on Instagram, I reposted it this week, success is when your adult children want to spend time with you. I love that. I love that phrase. And I get it that adult children sometimes make their own choices, they have free wills, they have sin natures, and some of you have the heartache of that's not your story, and you did everything that you could to love them. And that may be one of one or more of my five children. I understand this is not meant—this is for me a passion and a focus and a priority to me. I want to be godly first and foremost. I want them to see an example of Christianity that they don't run from. Often pastor's kids get a, a bad reputation that they are some of the worst in the world, right? And, 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 and maybe for good reason, but I think sometimes that's because they sometimes see a major hypocrisy in the home. And so they get out of the house and they say, I want nothing to do with that Christianity because I saw one thing at home and another thing at church. That might happen with my kids. The story's not written on them, but I, I can tell you it's my heartbeat that I don't want it to. I want to try to remind myself, and then not only at home, but at work. I will develop leaders through consistent, authentic, and empowering leadership. I will be a servant and friend who builds a ministry team family rather than a CEO running a religious corporation." Again, this is not-I'm not telling you this is what I'm doing. This is over the last few months where I've been crystallizing my thoughts, and, and my, our staff can tell you they've heard things like this for years from me, but asking myself, am I, this is my why, but am I really doing what I say I want to be, and a reminder of those things that, that we're called to be servants, and we're called to empower other leaders, and I want us to love one another, not just work together to build a big corporation. Behind the pulpit, I will be biblical, joyful, and purposeful. Preaching the whole counsel of God that awakens a desire in individuals to know God personally and deeply. Through the school, I will lead a culture that will prepare another generation to know God, love God, and live for Him for a lifetime. As a coach, I will invest in my players, instilling life-changing truths and creating lifelong memories through athletics. And then, at the keyboard, I will be encouraging, thought-provoking, and equipping. At the keyboard at this point is really mainly social media presence, but I've been working for about a year. I'm putting some, the Journey Through the Word is the first project, putting some of my um, projects that I put into study and preaching into book form, possibly in time. I've worked on the initial uh, manuscript on the Old Testament of Journey Through the Word, and so I want to remind myself, if God would allow me, not that I think that I'll sell 50 million copies, but if God would allow me to put some things into print that could be a help to to some Christians in our church and maybe some other churches. A reminder on social media, Ryan, are you being uh, encouraging, thought-provoking, and equipping to other believers and to the unsaved. These are five key areas of my life. And why do I show you that? I mentioned it, one, for accountability, so you know the heartbeat of your pastor, but two, I show you that that's what I've been working on. I want to challenge you. This has been a good exercise for me over the last three months. Do you know your why? Or are you, 30, 20, 30, 40, 50? And you're, you're, you think you'll figure it out at some point, but you've wasted years and maybe for some decades just spinning your wheels, wondering, there's got to be more to life than this. My homework now, now that I've finished that in the last t- our last coaching session, my homework now is to take each of these five areas, and this is where our message comes in. And he, he told me, I want you to write down dreams and goals for each one of those five areas. As a parent, what, 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 would you, what would be a prayer, what would be a dream, what would be a goal for 20 years from now? And as a pastor at Liberty Baptist Church, prayers and goals and dreams, what does that look like in the real world? Not just, I'm going to be an empowering leader that's going to lead a team that all sounds great and great platitudes. What does that look like 20 years from now, what's the fruit of that? And he, I, I now have to continue to think more deeply about those things and, and to put those things there. And then as we meet over the next uh, s- uh, several sessions, we are going to get finally into some pastoral coaching where I thought I was starting, but he's working on me first. Before we worry about my leadership as a pastor, he's worrying about me as a person. And, 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 and we're going to take those long-term goals, the why, and he said we're going to break them down. And if that's what it's supposed to look like 20 years from now, what does it need to look like 10 years from now? And what does it need to look like five years from now? And what does it need to look like then a year from now? And then breaking it all the way down to quarterly goals that are actual steps, that are things we can put handles on, that if we do this for the next 20 years, here's what we have to do this quarter and next quarter if we're going to get there. One one uh, famous author called it this beginning with the end in mind. Paul said it this way, I press toward the mark. I know where I'm going and it affects every day the way that I live. Jesus said it this way, which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? If you're going to do something big with your life, you stop and make a plan and make sure you're ready to do that. Solomon said it this way in the book of Proverbs, he said, he said, be diligent to know the state of thy flocks. He said, really know where your life is, that which you are overseeing, be diligent to take a look and know what's going on in your life, not just coasting through life, going through motions. So that's really what this series has been about, it's been about knowing our why. So now I'm supposed to break these down. This is not one of my goals, but let's say one of my dreams is to publish 20 books. That sounds great, but if over the next — I'm sorry, 10 books over the next 20 years — and that's not one of my goals, but let's say it was — what would I need to do? I would need to have a book done in two years. So if I have a book done in two years, what do I need to do a year from now? We need to be pretty much done working on then at that point, graphic design and graphics and editing. And what do I need to do then this quarter? And it's breaking down. That sounds great. I'm going to write 10 books in the next 20 years. What are you going to do this week? Knowing your why. And that's where this, this message is moving toward. What he's doing for me, the quarterly goals are how I will reach my why. They are how I will reach my why. It's been said a goal without a plan is just a wish. My, my pastoral coach, if you will, started with why, but now he's moving me from why to how. And that's the title of my message this morning, moving from why to how. I don't think, I don't, I don't know, maybe you would, I don't know very many in our church that would disagree of the preaching over the last four weeks about why we as believers are here, the fourfold purpose of our church. I don't know of many members in our church, if any, that would disagree with the four things we have said are why the believer exists, are why. But here's the question, how are you doing on the how? How are you going to accomplish the why? What steps are you actually taking to become that type of Christian? What steps are we actually taking to become that type of church? I've, I've spent five Sundays talking about our why by way of review. What, what is our why as believers and as a church? For those that have been here, talk to me. Number one, our first, the first part of our full, four, fourfold, that's hard to say, fourfold purpose. The first, first part of our fourfold purpose. Say that ten times fast. All right. Is what? Number one is to do what with the Gospel? To what? Share Share the Gospel. To share the Gospel. And then after we share the Gospel, the Bible says, go ye into all the world, preach the Gospel, and then it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So after we share the Gospel, people come to Christ, then we want to see them, number two, do what in the Gospel? Grow in the Gospel. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then as they grow, we saw in the book of Acts chapter number two, they had all things common. They were in each other's homes. They were doing that. We want to see growing Christians then do what through the gospel? Connect. Connect through the gospel. And then last week, we want to see them grow into maturity. We saw last week, number four, we want to see believers live the gospel getting involved in service, where now they're not just taking, remember we talked about last week, diet and exercise, not just consuming good content, not just growing for themselves, but growing so that they can live, growing so that they can serve, growing so that they can make a difference in the lives around them. The goal of Christianity is not just to become really smart, not just to be able to answer a bunch of Bible trivia, not just be able to explain what you believe. Now, that's a good thing, and it's part of Christianity, but it's not the ultimate goal. The goal is that we grow, and we connect so that we can then live, and as we live the gospel, guess what happens? We share the gospel, other people get saved, and it starts all over again. And then another person gets reached, and they get saved, and like last week, Scott got baptized, and then they they begin to grow in the Gospel, and they read the Bible for themselves, and they begin praying, and they jump into a community group, and they come to Sunday services, and they begin to grow in the Gospel, and then they begin to build relationships. And then as they're coming into some spiritual maturity, they start using their gifts not just to take, but their gifts to serve. And then as they serve, they share the Gospel, and it starts all over again, and that is God's plan. For believers and for the church. You notice in our fourfold purpose, there's one word that is common, a common thread in all four. It is the word gospel. That's what unites us. That's what brings us together. It's our purpose around which everything else revolves. That is our why. We must understand where we are trying to go. This is our fourfold purpose why. But may I say this? And this is what today's message is about this is also our how. How are you going to get there? What is the next step in your Christian growth? Our purpose has to go beyond our why, and that's why it's about moving from why to how. As I said earlier, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Well, I wish our church would share the gospel. I wish our church would grow in the gospel. I wish our church would connect through the gospel and live the gospel. And each individual, we must ask ourselves, how am I, how am I? going to be doing those four things. And then we as a church must seek to structure our schedule and programs and finances to fulfill this purpose. So this morning I want to talk to you about some of those things, and we'll talk about some of the ways that we're going to do that in 2023, but I want you to look at our text. Romans chapter number 12. We're going to read a little more than we normally would, at least at one set. We normally would read maybe this many verses throughout the message. We're going to read it all together right now. We're going to read Romans 1, I'm sorry, Romans 12, verses 1 through 21, all 21 verses. I'd like to read responsively, meaning I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2, with me aloud, and I'll read the odd verses by myself, you join me on the even verses. Here's what I want you to do while we read this passage. I want you to look at all the action verbs you see here. As Paul is writing to Roman Christians, I want you to look at all the action verbs. Maybe you want to underline them if you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible. If you're following along on a phone or a tablet, we'll be reading together from the King James Version. And I want you to follow along and read with me on verse 2, and we'll read till we get to the end. And notice, what you're going to see here is Paul challenging these believers to share the gospel, to grow in the gospel, to connect through the gospel, and to live the gospel. Let's begin, Romans chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 1. I beseech you or beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's supposed to be something different about believers, transformed. cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. But rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That second to last verse is always kind of funny to me. If your enemy's hungering, feed him. Why? So you can help him? No, because it'll heap coals of fire on his head. You can really get even with him by being nice to him. It's like the guy that said, it said that before you criticize a man, you should walk a mile in his shoes. That way you'll be a mile away and you'll have his shoes. And <laughs> but he says here, be do kind. Did you see throughout there different things of share the gospel? grow in the gospel, connect through the gospel, give into hospitality, live the gospel, generous giving, serving. The Christian life is not a passive consumer experience. It is intended to be an active contributor experience. Again, all those action verbs there. And so how will we accomplish these things at Liberty? Our fourfold purpose of why is also our four-step I'm going to give you those four steps, and we'll talk about it a little bit. And on each step, sometimes humor, or I've seen a couple memes here and there, I've shared a few during this series, Uh, so each point I have one or two memes. They can really drive some truth home in a short, poignant way, but the first one we see is share the gospel. Share the gospel. And I mentioned to you four Sundays ago that being a witness for Christ is not something that we outsource to the paid staff of the church. Being a witness for Christ is a responsibility for every believer of Christ. Ye shall be witnesses. And for all of us, we have different circles of influence. We have different opportunities. We have different relationships. We live in different neighborhoods. We work at different places of business. And so guess what? There are people in your life that if they're going to hear the gospel, very likely the only way they're going to hear the gospel is through you. And for sure, even if they might hear it from someone else, they're not going to hear it from me because our paths may never cross. And guess what? There are people in my life that your paths will never cross with. It's why all of us must take it seriously, must take it as a serious responsibility to be witnesses for Christ. I saw this meme uh, that, that said, put that up there if you will, teach that first one there. It said, I'd share the gospel, but I don't have the gift of evangelism said, you sing hymns, and you don't have the gift of singing. Anybody out there feel that way? I was sitting next to Diana this morning. I said, Diana, me, you, and Fady, we're going to sing a trio this morning. Diana said, no, I just moved my mouth. I don't really sing. <laughs> she doesn't have the gift of singing. You need to start singing anyways. All right, I told her, I don't have the gift of singing anyways but I, either, but I sing as loud as I can, and my wife sometimes, especially if we go to other churches, she's like, honey, be quiet. No one wants to hear that. And uh, it's not, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. No, we have the command of evangelism. Atheist, uh, famous magician, Penn of Penn and Teller said this, and you can watch a video, it's powerful. He said, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? There's a video on YouTube of him talking about a man giving him a Bible after a show, and him saying, I don't believe what he's telling me, but I respect what he's doing, because if he really believes he has the answer to eternal life and he's not sharing it, how much do you have to hate someone to do that? Share the Gospel. How do we do that? What's our why? Uh, I'm sorry, what's our how? That our why is to share the Gospel. How do we do that? I would suggest, number one, with our personal witness. The Bible talks about go and tell. In our, in our in our areas of business and life, work, family, neighbors, social media, be a personal witness. Go and tell. Take tracks and pass them out at places of business. We have people every week that go out to different neighborhoods and invite people that take things to work, that, that on social media post things. We have a bus routes that go out to areas and invite people to come to church. Go and tell. Be a personal witness. You never know who that might help. Pass a, an, a gospel invitation to the barista at Starbucks and let them know know uh, that, that, that you're praying for them. Often, I've seen folks do it. I don't do it as, uh, like I should, but I've seen people do this, and I've done it at times myself, um, where they sit down for a, a, a meal. The waitress comes, gets their drinks, and then comes back, and, and they'll often say to the waitress or the waiter, uh, we're Christians, and we're going to have a word of prayer before our meal. Is there something we can pray with you about? Do you have something we, you'd like us to pray for you about? And you know, every time I've done that, and the times I've seen other friends, Christians and other pastor friends do that, it's amazing the conversations that opens up. I've seen people get in tears. My, my grandma right now is going through cancer treatments. Would you pray for her? I've seen others say, oh, you're Christians. Where do you go to church? I'm a believer too. I just moved to this area. I'm looking for a church. And, and by the way, th- there will be times probably where they'll say, well, I don't really believe in that. That's okay. That's fine. You can't control what people do with the message. What you can control is, are you giving the message? In what ways are we personal witnesses? Not only our personal witness, but as a church, our corporate outreach. Come and see. We have weekly services. Invite friends or neighbors or strangers. I was preaching recently at a, ch- a church plant about an hour from here. I was speaking. I wasn't preaching. I was, I was uh, speaking in some different panels at a church plant. And I was talking to the pastor, a church plant that our church helped get off the ground. And I was talking to them. And, and I said, How are things going? I heard you had a, a big, this church, I think it's five years old. I, I heard you had a, a big day recently over Christmas. You had over 600 in attendance. He said, Yes, I do. You know, yes, we did. It was amazing. I said, well, he said, we're, right now we're having four to 450 people come just about every Sunday. Uh, a church plant that's five years old um, that didn't know anybody, just went to an area and started talking. And I, and, and, and I said, well, where would you have been about a year ago? He said, probably somewhere around 200 on a Sunday weekly attendance. Now, goal, numbers is not the only goal, but num- this is, you're seeing lives being changed and people getting saved and, and all of this. And, and, and I said, he said, so I said, so you more than doubled in 12 months? He said, yeah. I said, what would you attribute that to? Here's what he said. He said, our people are really excited about what God's doing at their church, and somehow it's developed an incredible invitation culture. He said, our church family, they're inviting everybody they know to come join them for a service. And he said, I, I, other, he said, we've tried to do some things with outreach and going out and doing things in the community. We've done some Facebook advertising. He said, but honestly, most of it is just our church family has decided to take it upon themselves to tell people, come and see. Come and see what God's doing in my life. Come and see what the Bible can do for you. We have the bus ministry. This year we'll have Easter and Vacation Bible School, and we have a very special friend day with a Vietnam War veteran who lost his legs in the Vietnam War, a powerful evangelist. We try to schedule things, our Christmas outreach. Some Every Sunday we have a gospel witness in our church, but we try to schedule some things, special ones throughout the year. Why? So that you and I can use that to say, come and see what God has done in my life. Corporate outreach, how do we share the gospel? How do we get to our why? How do we move from why to how? A personal witness, a corporate outreach, our missions program, go ye into all the world. Every October we have a three or four day missions emphasis. You can give specifically to missions. Our family does every week. The second largest gift uh, that we give in our budget uh, every week is to our missions program here at Liberty. Why? I want to be impacting people that are taking the gospel. I want to be a part of taking the gospel around the world. You can pray for missionaries, go on a short-term missions trip, plan another church, help a church get planted in, in the states or abroad. Missions must stay at the forefront of our church. It's the how of our why. So we all say, share the gospel. That sounds great. How are we actually going to do that this quarter? Just like the coach said, I'm sure all of you thought it's great. Pastor wants to be a good dad and a good husband, and he wants to be a good preacher, and, and he wants to be a good leader. That all sounds great, and if it stops there, it does absolutely nothing. How do I accomplish that? Why? I hope we share the gospel. How are you sharing the gospel? Personal witness, corporate outreach with our church family and events, missions program. Number two, grow in the gospel. I talked about this. A commitment to regular attendance to multiple weekly services in our church is one of the best ways to grow, and then personal time in Bible reading and prayer. I preached a whole message about us growing in our personal relationship, and then our faithfulness to the services of our church. I saw uh, this, sometimes we feel like this when we come to church, right? Church greeter, good morning. I don't feel like going to church. I gotta go grow. Do you ever feel like this? But here's the reason we need to come even when we feel like this. The next one there I showed you a couple of weeks ago is if, if I'm a Christian but I don't need the church was a photo. Satan is looking for those that get away from the family of God, they make for easy prey. And guess what? Sometimes there are times for all of us that we don't feel like growing together with our church family. You've heard me tell the story of the adult man. He was in his room, and his wife knocked on the door and said, are you getting up? It's time to go to church. He said, I'm not going today. She said, you've got to go. He said, I don't have to go. I don't feel like going. I don't want to go. She said, well, give me two good reasons why you don't want to go. He said, those people over there don't like me, and frankly, sometimes I don't like them. She said, well, even still, you still need to go to church. He said, give me one good reason why I need to go to church. She said, because you're the pastor. Doesn't matter who you are, sometimes you don't feel like going to church. But and let me make this statement, and, and, I, and I guarantee you it's true, the more you go, the more you'll grow. Yes, personal time with the Lord and personal study is vital and beneficial. But do not, do not underestimate the power of corporate worship together, growing together with a body of believers. I've been attending multiple corporate gatherings every week of my life with my local church for 34-plus years, and I have no regret, regrets. There is no better way that I know of to grow in every facet of the Christian life than to faithfully involve yourself in the full life of your local church. Online services, TV preachers, Christian books, podcasts can be wonderful contributors to our Christian growth, and I utilize some of those resources every day of my life, every week of my life. But there is something about truly plugging into the weekly life of the church as an active participant, not a fringe spectator. If you don't believe me, I encourage you to try it. Try it out for three months. I'll give you a money-back guarantee that if you do it for three months, you'll come back and you will be stronger in your relationships, stronger in your faith, stronger in your growth if you'll plug in to those things. Your family will be stronger. Your understanding of the Word will be better. So how are we going to grow? Personal study and regular plugging into a church family. Number three, the third part of our why, that is it's also our how, connect through the gospel. Connect through the gospel. I mentioned this before. If you slide in after church has already started, a few minutes after it starts, and you slide out right when it ends, don't come to me asking, why don't I have any relationships in the church? And we want to do—we have opportunities, but come to church a little early. Stay a little after. Fellowship. Tonight we're having home Bible fellowships um, scattered around Orange County. Several hundred people will be in different homes. You can join one of those still. There's room in in those homes, and go and meet some people, and have some fun. There'll be a Bible uh, challenge, and they'll enjoy fellowship, and the opportunity to see the game, and and food, and just get a chance to connect with people—connect. It's vital. The Christian life was never intended to be lived in isolation. Do you see it in here? One another, given to hospitality, come into the home, weep with them that weep, rejoice with them that rejoice. What does that show you? There was true relationship to the people he was writing to. You see it in Acts. You see it in Romans. Connect. Stay after and talk a little while. I saw this one about sometimes we're trying to leave church when church is over and you're trying to leave, but your mom keeps talking. How many of you? That's not your mom, that's your wife. Let me just see. Kelly, put your hand down right there. Kelly Petchy right there. Kelly, Kelly sent me one time, I think you're the one that sent it to me, a picture of a guy and skeleton, a skeleton sitting in a car. He died waiting for his wife to finish talking after church. Brenda, if you want to talk—if you're struggling to have someone to talk with, Brenda is around in the—raise your hand, Brenda. She'll be in the lobby. She'll talk to anybody that wants to talk to her, all right? Brenda, he cannot get her to the car after church. Moira, too. Okay, we got two. Moira, right there. Tilden just pointed at his wife. Isn't it funny that the ones that want to stay and talk are the ones that are married to guys that don't want to talk to anybody? They just want to get to their car? That's why they want to stay and talk. Nobody will talk to me all week. Anybody else out there? You're one of those who wants to stay and talk, and Sharice and David wants to head to their car. Everyone's pointing at people right now. We're hitting home right here. Connect through the gospel. Connect. I like this tweet I saw. It said, my husband has three rules of engagement when we go to church. An alone person in our gathering is an emergency. Friends can wait and introduce a newcomer to someone else. Let's all be missionaries at church today. I love that. What is it saying? I'm not coming just to find my two or three closest friends. And that's not wrong to have some close friends at church that you talk to, but it's finding a newcomer and helping them meet somebody else. How long have you been coming? Oh, did you meet so and so? Somebody sitting by themselves is an emergency. I love that thought. Someone alone at church is an emergency. What a great thought. For us, how are we connecting? through the gospel. Your life will be richer if you build good, godly, Christian relationships through the church. We have tonight the Home Bible Fellowship, our, why, our how to get to our why. We have the mentorship. We have our weekly community groups on Sunday morning and Tuesday morning and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night. I challenge every person in our church to plug into a group or team or both. Many of you are part of a group and maybe one or more teams in our church already, but I would challenge you to plug in to, yes, share the gospel and, and come to be saved, and then grow in the Gospel, and then connect through the Gospel, and then lastly, the fourth part of our why, which is also a step in our how, is to live the Gospel. To live the Gospel. I saw this about the Apostle Paul. We've gotten away from living the Gospel. He said, the Apostle Paul were alive today. Here's what he would write. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus to the churches of the United States of America, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't even really know where to begin with you guys. We've drifted a little bit from living the gospel, it seems, at times in our churches, but to serve, to give, to love. Last week I showed you the the meme of the cruise ship, talking about this idea of serving. The church is not a cruise ship where a handful of people serve everyone else who is relaxing. The church is a battleship where it's all hands on deck, and everyone serves the mission. This is our why, but it's also our process. It's not just our purpose, it's our process. So we want to share the gospel someone gets saved and the next step is faithful to church services starting to grow the next step is co- to connect plugging into a community group fellowships the next step is to live to start serving to start giving and that those how do what 's the how of getting to the why living the gospel serving weekly a service team giving generously how do we get there we serve weekly we give generously and what is that that is how we connect uh, i 've got these four parts with all of these subpoints. Uh, Jabin was telling me before church, I was talking about, he keeps bugging me every Sunday. We're back in Genesis? I said, no, relax. We're going to be back there next Sunday, all right? Relax. We got to share the heartbeat of the church and get us all challenged to do more for God. And, and I was telling him about today what I was going to be talking about. He said, Pastor Tomlinson, the, gen- the, the pastor that passed 25 years here before me, he maybe watching online, often does and texts me encouraging words. He said, Pastor Tomlinson said it this way, win them, wet them, work them. Salvation, baptism, plug them in, get them involved. Maybe, that, maybe I should change it from those four things to our threefold purpose. Win them, wet them, work them. Whatever, whatever your three- or four-part thing is, here's the reality. What's the next step you can take in your Christian growth? How are you going to accomplish the why? What's the next step for you is it you need to share the gospel as a witness? Do you need to make a commitment to more faithfulness and attendance to a church family? God, God, again, never intended for us to be consumers. We go to this church here and that church there and watch this one online. And when I feel like it, I pop over there. When they have my favorite singer, I go over there. God wants us to be members of a body that are plugged in that are growing together, that are praying for one another, that know each other, that are helping each other, that are studying together, that are crying together, that are laughing together, that are rejoicing together. Yesterday, we had the funeral for our dear charter member, Greg Park, that are comforting one another in seasons like that. God wants that. So, is your next step more faithfulness to church? Is your next step? Getting out of your bubble, and out of your shell, and and kind of off of your one pew, and connecting, joining a community group, and going to a fellowship, and 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 getting coffee with somebody in the church, and going out to lunch, and building relationships, one-on-one discipleship. Starting to learn and grow, connecting is your next step to live, to serve, to give. As we talked about last week, not just diet, but diet and exercise. Join the choir, play an instrument on the music team, serve on the VIP welcome team that's launching in two weeks, serve in the children's ministry, serve on the facilities team, volunteer at the school, begin to disciple somebody, open your home for a community group, the children's ministry, youth ministry, bus ministry, nursery ministry, rescue mission ministry, benevolence ministry, missions, where can you plug in and take what you've received and share it with others so we understand our why, but just like it's cool that I have this cool picture of five areas that sounds really great he said we're not stopping there now you've got to figure out what does that look like in real life for you with end goals and then we break it down how do we get there so great for four weeks i preached share grow connect live how do you begin to put handles to that and do that on a weekly basis how are you growing in god this week What are you going to do with this word this week? With with maybe uh, reading a book with your your kids or a time of prayer with your family or maybe a a children's podcast that's growing. How are you growing in the gospel this week as a family? What is your next step? Our purpose is also our process. Our why is also our how. It's been said only one life. So soon it will be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life so soon will be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I want to challenge you in your own personal life to sit down and do what I've done and give yourself some time to reflect and think. Wherever I'm at, I'm 18, I'm 28, I'm 38, 48, 58, 68, 78, wherever I'm at, how am I do- what is my why, and then how am I doing in accomplishing that why? Moving from why to how. We've gotta put some handles on it because if not, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Today's message is a little different. I know it could maybe even just sound almost like a self-help message, which is not my style at all. We, we did read scripture, but we didn't really break down a passage, which is my, my normal style. But for me, and if you're visiting, I appreciate you being here. I hope that God gave you something that was a help, but really this message was more of a pastoral message for our church family. Do we understand why we're here as a purpose, as believers, and are we accomplishing that? If not, don't just walk out and say, well, that was some good thoughts. What's the next step we can take to begin to accomplish that? Where have we grown a little cold or complacent? In sharing? In growing? We've, we've neglected our Bible. We've neglected faithful church attendance. In connecting? Kind of neglected really investing and pouring into any relationship within our church family. Or in Living? kind of backed out of service, backed out of giving, backed out of living and helping. I don't know what the answer is for you, but I would imagine if you're like your pastor, it was really good for me to stop and take some time of self-reflection and prayer and and consideration. God, you've brought me this far. Now, if you give me more years, what am I going to do with them? What is my why and how am I going to get there? We've talked for four weeks about what our why is. Today, the challenge is, how are you going to make some changes to grow in these? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, again, today a little bit more of just a pastoral challenge than it would be what I would call an expository Bible message. But I hope it causes all of us to think. And I don't know, again, I'll just be frank, I don't know with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I don't know that you learned a whole lot more about a specific passage or character in the Bible. But I hope you did learn and were challenged about God has a purpose for each of us. The Bible says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. He wants us to use our time wisely for His glory. To whom much is given, much shall be required. This idea of living lives on purpose and on mission is unbelievably biblical. It's what God wants us to do. And I want to challenge each one of us in our own personal lives and in our, in our spiritual lives How are we doing in moving in the right steps to accomplish our why? What can you begin doing more in one of those four areas as it relates to your relationship with your church family? More sharing, more growing, more connecting, more living. Don't just look and say, well, I'm glad I know the four things, if there's a quiz, I know the four things. Ask yourself, how do I, how, what steps can I take to do more in accomplishing that why as a believer. For four weeks, I sought to lay out much more biblical, biblically saturated messages that would explain the biblical reasons behind the why. Today, a challenge on stepping up in taking steps toward fulfilling that why. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.